Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about Advanced DDoS, and it's my pleasure to be speaking with Gary Sockrider, Principal Security Technologist with NetScout Arbor. Gary, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tom. It's great to be here. So, Gary, talk to me about DDoS. What are some of the trends that you're seeing now in terms of both old and new techniques? Absolutely. So, you know, if we look back over the last several years, there's been a very clear long-term trend in DDoS attacks, and that's, you know, increasing in, in size, in frequency, and complexity, and that's a macro trend. When I talk about the size, obviously, you know, people see the headlines, these, you know, uh, multi-hundred gigabit per second DDoS attacks that'll take out just about anything on the internet. Uh, when we talk about the with the frequency, obviously, just more and more attacks occurring. Uh, we're seeing, you know, north of 160,000 attacks a week right now that we're monitoring on the global internet, and that's that's not the whole picture, but that's you know that's our view into it, which is about a third of the internet traffic. And then beyond that, the uh, the complexity, and that's you know combining different DDoS techniques, not just the volumetric attacks, but also application layer and state exhaustion attacks. More specifically, though, looking, I would say, in just the last six months, so sort of the shorter term trends, we're seeing the volume of the DDoS attacks is up, but the frequency is down a bit. So as you may you know, very well already be aware, this year we hit the first ever terabit per second DDoS attack. In fact, there were, there were a couple early in the year. Uh, GitHub was attacked in February. It was a 1.35 terabit per second attack, and that was followed less than a week later by a 1.7 terabit per second attack. So clearly, the 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 volume stuff is up, but that's you know that's just a, a short shorter term trend. You know, we see that uh, up and down over time. Gary, related question: What specifically are you seeing for attacks that leverage IoT devices? Yeah, that's a that's a big one. You know, we we've seen, um, of course, this this massive proliferation of IoT devices is allowing uh, attackers to create bigger than ever uh, botnets. Prior to the exploitation of IoT in large scale, we would see on average botnets say you know twenty thirty thousand device strong. Starting with the proliferation of of the Mirai code, really aggressively compromising IoT devices we we very we're very soon after that saw botnets as large as half a million devices strong so you know that's that's one trend where um, you know a source like Mirai is being used to you know leverage these devices and of course Mirai itself has been evolving um, it's you know there's there's been many re uh, new incarnations of Mirai and then a bunch of variants that you know take it and exploit you know more different types of attacks leveraging more and different types of iot devices it's sort of a, a long-term trend uh, there continue to be more devices out there that are exploitable there's there's now you know north of 30 billion um, iot devices out there that are uh, you know many many of them are exploitable and projections, uh, you know, well into the hundreds of billions of devices in the next, uh, say, five years. So no surprise that attackers are taking advantage of those devices. Um, and of course, they're, they're leveraging lots of different um, techniques. You know, we saw those terabit attacks 
were really largely uh, leveraging uh, memcache, you know, exploits in that code, and that drove, you know, the the those multi or over one terabit per second attacks that we saw in the beginning of the year. Um, but interestingly, the community responded very quickly, in, in particular with the case of, of memcached. So uh, prior to the you know first attack that we saw in uh, leveraging memcached, there were there were you know I don't know fifty hundred thousand exploitable servers. Very shortly after that, uh, you know when the first terabit attack happened. Admins started patching them. Um, by March of this year, they were down to 17,000 vulnerable memcached servers. And in fact, as of the summer, uh, somewhere in June, we were down to about 550 uh, total exploitable servers. So that's a great reaction by the internet community. But of course, it's only one technique. It's only one exploit. And there are, there are many, many others, such as you know DNS, reflection amplification, uh, SSDP, which of course is the, the UPnP protocol that drives a lot of the IoT devices. So um, there's a lot happening out there with IoT and, and expect more to come. Gary, you mentioned botnets. Where do you see the intersection of botnets and malware when it comes to DDoS? Great question, Tom. So, you know, we've been tracking this for quite some time. And I think really the genesis of this that we saw several years ago was really using DDoS as a component of an advanced persistent threat campaign or APT. And that really initially manifested as, as simple things like using uh, DDoS attacks to probe for weaknesses in the network for trying to find ways in, using DDoS attacks as a, um, per perhaps as a smokescreen to cover uh, infiltration or exfiltration of sensitive information and materials, credit cards, uh, intellectual property, et cetera, from the network. And, and we've seen that evolve over time. You know, this sort of the next genesis of that was seeing uh, DDoS functionality built into other types of malware tools. So, you know, just making it easier for the attackers. Oh, you want to use DDoS as part of your APT campaign? Well, we'll just build that right, that functionality right into the malware. Now, I would say uh, the latest iteration of that where we're seeing, you know, more advanced adoption is uh, we're seeing botnets themselves are being used not just to, you know, turn those drones as, as, as weaponized endpoints to, to spew packets in a DDoS attack, but they're also being used as delivery mechanisms for the malware themselves. So we're seeing, you know, uh, we look track the command and control of these massive botnets and we see maybe three, four, five, six, seven or more different campaigns that you know individual bots are, are, are participating in and, and, and making up part of that botnet activity. So really it's become a, a large ecosystem that is uh, leveraged across you know, many different types of attack vectors and hence the, you know, the advanced DDoS that we see today. Gary, in terms of attacks, we've covered a lot here in just a few moments. How do you recommend that organizations both detect and defend against this range of threats you've just discussed? Yeah, it's a that's a it's a tough one, but I think you know the good news is that we we have a lot of technology that we can bring to bear to deal with this problem. You know, I often hear people say, "Gosh, you know, I look at DDoS and it's it, it just seems insurmountable. There's so much, uh, so many, you know, infected devices, so many I, IoT devices that are 
you know, so many protocols that can be leveraged and, and vulnerabilities. Uh, but the truth is, uh, it's, it's exactly as you said in your question, right? It's detect first and then defend. So we have to see it first. So there's a number of things that can be done. First of all, um, you know, leveraging the visibility that you already have into your network. So, you know, tools that you have that are doing, you know, network monitoring, um, looking at logs, looking at uh, things like, you know, NetFlow to give you end-to-end -end visibility across uh, the network. And then, uh, you know, packet capture uh, devices, you know, any of your existing security infrastructure where you can see, you know, unusual behavior, unusual traffic, traffic patterns. And of course, there are lots of purpose-built solutions that will specifically look for DDoS attacks and alert you to those. Um, beyond that, you know, I, I think partnering with others, uh, whether that, that be an enterprise partnering with their upstream service provider or maybe a, a service provider partnering with their upstream, say a tier two, tier three, um, to provide both protections and uh, detection uh, and mitigation. And then uh, I would say beyond that, you know, you really need to start looking at layered defense. So uh, obviously these volumetric DDoS attacks have to be dealt with upstream, unless you're the, the largest carrier, in which case you're gonna take care of them on your own network. Beyond that, the, the application layer and the, the, the state exhaustion type attacks, which are designed uh, to not fill up the pipes, so they're, they're not necessarily going to be as noticeable, they're designed to fly under the radar. Those are going to require, you know, that, that you have some sort of solution on your own network and not just rely on an upstream provider, uh, both for visibility and for mitigation of those attacks. So really combining those uh, different solutions, on-prem solutions, with in-network solutions upstream and also in the cloud. Gary, let's bring this back to NetScout Arbor. What are you doing to help customers to bolster their defenses? Well, there's a lot of activity actually. And, uh, you know, it, it, as I just stated, starts with, with detection and, it, it, and a layered approach. And, we're, we, you know, we've deployed a lot of technologies to enable companies to build out these defenses, you know, not only on their own networks, but in partnership with uh, other network operators. So examples of that technology, as I mentioned, you know, specialized appliances that are designed specifically to look for, detect, and notify of, of you know, DDoS activity. Also, uh, mitigation tools, you know, purpose-built appliances that are stateless, so they're not susceptible to these state exhaustion attacks. They are very high-performance devices that are not being asked uh, to do a lot of other things like, say, firewalls or, or IPS or other types of security appliances that are maybe already carrying a heavy load. The idea is these specialized appliances would offload that burden from the more traditional security appliances. Beyond that, we've tried to make the portfolio as accessible as possible. So all of our solutions across the portfolio are available uh, not only as physical appliances, but as virtual solutions that can be deployed, uh, you know, within the network. Uh, we also offer uh, cloud-based solutions, so uh, both cloud-ready appliances as well as our own cloud offering, and and of course, uh, many service providers are also offering uh, cloud-based uh, DDoS solutions as well, based on our technology. So there's a whole host of of tools that can be brought to bear, and it's important to understand what tools are available and where they need to be deployed in the network. Very well, I appreciate your insight. Gary, thanks for taking time to speak with me today. 
Thank you, Tom. It's been my pleasure. Again, we've been discussing advanced DDoS, and I've been speaking with Gary Sockrider. He's Principal Security Technologist with NetScout Arbor. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.